0: Welcome to episode 63 of Talking Dairy. My name is Ben Chapman-Smith. A few years ago, dairy farmers in the Selwyn catchment were trying to figure out how to reduce their nitrogen losses by 30% in a short time frame, as required by regulation. How did they go about hitting that target? Well, previous Dairy z led research had shown this 30% reduction was achievable using a range of options like plantain, less end fertiliser and a reduced stocking rate. So we set up a project to work with a group of partner farms in Salwyn to put these options into practice, with the aim of helping them meet their obligations while maintaining profitability. Today, you'll hear from Glenn Jones, one of the partner farms, about how it went. He'll talk about the options he implemented to cut end losses, how successful that's been, the challenges he's faced along the way, what he's learned, and his advice for other farmers. Keep an ear out at the end of this podcast too for our new segment, three interesting quick-fire questions we'll be putting to guests from now on. You'll enjoy what Glenn has to say. Let's get into it. How you going? Good, thank you. Busy. Yeah? Busy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good of you to take some time out, uh, you know, a very busy schedule on farm, I'm sure, to do this. Yeah, no, it's good to be able to share what we've learned through the Salwan Hines project.
1: And um, Virginia, Sierra asked you to do something. Yeah, you sort of jump at the chance, really.
0: Yeah, she's been pretty good, good help to us, too. So. Awesome, Glenn. Hey, mate, well, to get going, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the farm you're on?
1: Yeah, so during the Salwan Hines project, my partner Sarah and I were 50 um, 50 share milking 630 cows for the proprietors of the Kyron Corporation. Land Owning Trust up in Hororata. Um, we were under the Central Plains Irrigation Scheme up there. Pretty simple farm, well set up, 40 side side herringbone and um, very light sort of stony silt loam soils up there. Am I right that you've moved to a new farm this season? Correct, yeah. We've, we're just into the start of a new season for the same owners down in Dory, so down on the coastline
0: east of Rakaya. I had a look at where you are, right, and you're just out on the coast, out from Ashburton. Yeah, correct? correct. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful spot down here. That's for sure. Yeah, good man. Hey, Glenn, I'm going to chuck you a bit of a curveball, and uh, I hope this is all right. But before we get into the the main topic of today's podcast, I was wondering if I could just ask you about something which is obviously of immediate relevance and concern to farmers, which is the uh, fallen forecast milk price. Do you mind talking a little bit about how you're responding to that drop and any changes that you're making or that you're going to be making to maintain business viability? Yeah, look, it's interesting that you
1: bring that up and we've been asked that same question by a couple of people recently and the answer is pretty well essentially we'll be making no changes to our business. From that point of view, we try and run a pretty profit-focused grass-based system at all times anyway and it's just now it's a matter of honing in on those things that we've always done and trying to do them even better you know scrutinizing our invoices pushing back on some prices getting quotes utilizing pasture first has got to be key for us going forward and keeping our costs down which we try to do at a high payout anyway but certainly we'll be having some conversations you know keeping the bank in the loop budgeting and keeping on top of all those things as well pretty important times like this yeah yeah for
0: sure hey well glenn let's rewind you know sort of five years what was the situation that you were in? What were the what was the specific target that you needed to meet on your farm? So we were faced with a target of a 30% reduction of end loss
1: in our catchment. It was a pretty short time frame to achieve this. We were located in Te Parita in the nutrient allocation zone for Salmon Tewaihori. So under plan change one, the farm needed to achieve a 30% end loss reduction from the baseline
0: period of 2009 to 2013
1: by 2022.
0: What were the main causes of end loss from your farm at the time and what have you done to address those? So the, the main causes of, of end loss we had at the time was obviously purchased end. We were applying
1: a lot more than the 190 or, or a wee bit more than the 190 at the time. And then obviously irrigation through leaching and drainage was our biggest two end losses. So with the irrigation, it was just a big push as far as accuracy went. So we were using, during our time there, we installed aquiflexes. So we can monitor soil moisture and we try to stay in that optimum zone, so not overwatering, really utilising the technology available for us there. Um, There was a system upgrade with the irrigation, so we re-nozzled our larger pivot and this gave us better uniform distribution, much better water usage as well for what was going on. And this is part of our regular maintenance program with our irrigators and then bucket testing to make sure that they're still performing to their best. And certainly with the central plains and water ordering, it, it forced us to be um, a lot more accurate with how we were using our water and we actually saw some water usage go down. Obviously, there was a reduction in applied in as well, so we got down to that 190 mark quite comfortably over time. During this period, we were applying different end to our effluent zones, so we had them GPS effluent. It was an underslung pivot effluent, and um, we are applying less end to these areas, and this was gps already already preloaded, so the fertiliser trucks could drive over and adjust automatically. These areas were also soil tested separately, although this is more for capital third, it was still applied different rates to these areas as well. And then the clover journey through this period was a, was a really important point as well, and we were re- doing a significant regrassing program um, up to 25% of the farm a year to really bring it up to a high standard of grass and performance, but we found that our spray program with our clover wasn't quite right and we weren't getting the ideal clover establishment that we would want due to residual spray effects from carryover through that regrassing program um so we made some adjustments there and found that we could get a better clover establishment early on and then we also used lower trailed lower in through january when clover was more active as well as lowering that in
0: yeah cool thanks glenn so I'm just interested in knowing, like, how did you learn about the, the different options that are available to reduce end loss and figure out the ones that would work for your farm? Well, put our hand up at the
1: opportunity to be involved with the Selwyn Hines project. And one of the benefits through the Selwyn Hines project was just that availability to resources and being able to talk to like-minded farmers and um, also access to Farm advisor and Kirsty Thomas was able to give us a bit of advice through that time as well, and then we modelled some different situations with our farm advisor of what we thought would give us best bang for our buck.
0: What sort of time period was there, you know, in figuring out which options you were going to implement before you actually implemented them? Like, did you sort of spend six months doing that modelling, or was it much quicker than that?
1: So certainly, with the um, upgrading the irrigation system, that was done pretty well as soon as we got to the farm. That was a, a low hanging fruit. The reduction in applied end, it was a gradual progression to that stage. And then some of the other modelling that we actually looked at through the Sauer and Heinz project with Kirsty was we looked at lower stocking rate as well, but that wasn't any benefit profit-wise. And then we also looked at wintering on farm, but there was no significant end loss gains from that. Yeah, sure.
0: Were there any significant challenges that you faced along the way while implementing these solutions? Yeah, one of the big challenges we found is that we changed the system before we had that really good clover establishment.
1: So we looked at, I mentioned dropping out that January clover application and had we had really good clover content in all our pastures, that would have probably worked quite well. But what we found is that it was a blanket rule for the whole farm and then there were certainly paddocks that just really missed out on that end through that January period because there wasn't the clover to substitute it in the end. So a learning outcome from that probably would have been to be a bit more paddock-specific with our fertiliser. And we certainly were testing every paddock individually as well for nutrients as well. But, yeah, I think looking at the clover content of each paddock and then making a, a fertiliser decision based on that could have been a, a helpful gain at the time. And this is pre-190 in as well. So, yeah, we weren't one blanket rule. Any other challenges? Yeah, look, probably just being more aware that you had to be on top of your feed all the time. So just have to be really aware of where you're at with feed, uh, round length adjustments. You can't just put on a heap of urea to get out of holes, which maybe, you know, people have done in the past. So running longer round length, sitting around that maybe at a very shorter 22, but um, sitting, trying to get to that 25-day round to optimise grazing at that two-and-a-half, three-leaf stage was really important for us. And then, obviously, not wanting to
0: get caught out and end up putting in a heap of supplement and spend money that way either. Yeah, cool. You mentioned um, some of your learnings just then. Is there anything else you've learned through the process? You know that you think would be useful for other farmers to hear about?
1: The big learning curve for us has been part of this project was just being open to the feedback that we got through it. Um, and I mentioned the clover thing; it wasn't as good as what we'd hoped for. And we had an open day through the Selwyn Hines project at, at our farm, and it was. A bunch of guys, and, and a whole lot of them are a lot smarter and more knowledgeable and more experienced than myself, but um, <laughs> having those guys look through your paddocks and, and make some pretty honest calls and give some feedback was a big help, and it was after that discussion group that I got on the phone with a couple of agronomists and said, hey, look, what's going on here? And, and we did some herbage tests and 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 really looked into the, the records going back two years on each paddocks. You've got to be open to showing your farm around and have people give you feedback, so that was a big big part of it. Any surprises through the process, either good or bad? Probably one of the not good surprises, but you know, it does force you to be more efficient with your feet um, by lowering your your input at you know, trying to make sure you're harvesting every bit of
0: grass growing. Yeah, I guess in farming became a lot more bottom line focused as well. Yeah. So for, you know, other farmers facing the same challenges, what advice would you offer, Glenn? Uh, put your hand up you know, and and ask for
1: help. There's so many good resources available, and we're so fortunate with New Zealand Dairy, you know, whether it be Dairy NZ or Farm Advisors, or there's, you know, there's a lot of really good resources that we don't even have to pay for available, so I'd put your hand up and and get involved. There's certainly different catchment groups or, you know, discussion groups available for this sort of stuff.
0: That would be my big bit of advice, yeah. Yeah, cool. What are some of the benefits, Glenn, to your wider catchment of what you've been doing? or, you know, what you did on that farm?
1: Um, there's the obvious nutrient benefits um, that's going to benefit the whole catchment, the Ty Hora catchment as a whole. And what we've done, being part of the Selwyn Hines project, I'd like to think that it'll sort of help other farmers as showing how it's been done and being part of this group. The Selwyn Hines project, another thing that's great about it is that we have been working with councils and ECAM, and it's a lot more science-based and working together, so it's bringing everyone around the same table to to achieve a, um, a common goal, um, which I think is much better. It's not them and us, it's us working together and they are able to see what we are doing at a farm level, um, which I think is really important for those guys and to see that the work that our scientists are doing as well, yeah, it's really important.
0: I'm curious, because you've moved to a new farm this season, have you implemented some of the same changes on that farm or had, had that already happened because it's the same owner? Uh, it's a different scheme, so we're south of the rakaia
1: but certainly we'll be taking the same outlook to this farm anyway. You know, we believe that reducing our our purchase in, you know, and being more water efficient is a more profitable system. And, and certainly now more than ever, we need to be bottom line focused and utilising every bit of grass we can at the moment and, and reducing our imported supplement. I guess the other one that's sitting there in the background is the greenhouse gases is the next big one coming at us. And, and look, we'll take the same outlook with that as we have done with the, the nitrogen reductions as well. And there's um, partnered or joined up with the Fonterra pilot program looking at uh, greenhouse gas reduction there as well. And we'll be using, pulling on all our resources that we can and, and working with people to, to
0: achieve that goal as well. So it's just another thing we've got to work towards. And, yeah, it's another challenge. Yeah, good man. So it sounds like through the process you've, this idea of uh, partnering with other people and getting input and getting people looking at your system you've become more comfortable with that yeah yeah definitely
1: I, I don't know if it's what other industries are like or anything like that but I think we're so fortunate with daring that you know I've got a there's a great group of farmers down around us here as well and you know they've got a lot of advice about how grass grows down here at this time of year and you know and I'm tapping into that as much as I can as well at the moment so um, yeah it's been awesome it's a great industry to be in for that sure
0: Hey, Glenn, we've got a new segment on the podcast where I'm going to put three quickfire questions to our guests, so I'm going to hit you with them. What's one thing you love about the dairy sector? Uh, look, I've been
1: banging on about it all, all podcast. I think it's about that we are so open with sharing information um, and just the resources that we've got to try and make the ship go faster.
0: Yeah, Good, man. What's one thing that the dairy sector, or you know, dairying has given you and all your family? Oh, look, it's a great lifestyle you know my partner
1: Sarah she's our car and you know we get to work together every day and I think that's pretty cool and and like I've got three kids that come home from school and the first thing they want to do is get out on farm as well so um you know I think from a family lifestyle that's that's got to be first and foremost and and you know when times get tough we'll reflect on that this season you know it's you know we still get to be together as a family on the farm which is pretty important through the highs and the lows
0: yeah good stuff Lastly, what's one thing you'd like non-farmers to know about dairy farming? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, that is a good question. I had
1: a um, Sarah's uncle come down and he was a school teacher from the middle of Auckland. And he came down and I said, oh, would you like to go for a walk around the farm? So we took him for a walk around the farm and first thing I did is I said, oh, look, these are the grasses that we're using. They're the latest grasses and they're bred here and it's a 12-year process to breed the latest grass and this is how they test tested and da-da-da. And I said, oh, there, yeah, that's that. Soil moisture aquiflexes and that measures our our soil moisture and that's how much water we put on. And and I said, see that cow there? And I jumped on my phone and I pulled up minder and I flicked through and I said, oh, she's done this much solid. She's got a cell count of this. Back here six months ago she was treated for this. And this school teacher from Auckland was just absolutely blown away by the the detail and the technology that we were using on farm. He said, look, I I just want to tell my kids, go back and tell my kids and my class what's happening out here on the farm.
0: Yeah, you know, that sums it up pretty well, I think. Yeah, that's gold. That's awesome. Mate, I thank you, Glenn, for uh, giving up your time today. It's such a neat chat with you and I uh, really enjoyed those those last three answers too. <laughs> yeah. Good man. Cool. Thank you very much, Pete. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode and thank you very much to Glenn Jones for his time. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions or feedback, please feel free to drop us a line at talkingdairy at dairynz.co.nz. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please hit subscribe so you get notified when new episodes go live. Catch you next time.